the message, uh, the message tonight is, uh, is titled, A Biblical Standard for Greatness. I don't want you to mistake what I'm using as the word greatness. What I'm asking you to do as it relates to your own personal spiritual life. I, I believe that we have levels of maturity and levels of potential and that we never really reach the maximum optimum of that potential and that greatness in Christ Jesus uh, until we go to heaven. I don't, I don't think you reach an age, an age uh, as it relates to the calendar, but what God doesn't give us room to grow and room to change and maybe move into a different season and to be able to accomplish something that we never would have accomplished otherwise. I believe that there are seasons that God allows us to go through. Footsteps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. Um, I think there are seasons that we go through that God has a reason for the season. And that it all culminates together creating a synergy for you to be a better, greater follower for Christ. If you have reached that place in your own personal experience that you find yourself murmuring and complaining more than you are praising and witnessing, you need to get back on track. Because you cannot be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and be a murmurer and a complainer. When filled with the Holy Ghost, you set right priorities and you're always looking for something more that, that God can do in your life. And when I see some of you who go and face divorce and you've been hurt, bruised, kicked, and all that goes with it, I look at that and I think, wow, how sad. But I also look at it and say, but God, there must be a nugget in there somewhere that you're going to bring to pass a greater level of maturity if we pay attention. I think when we go through seasons of physical challenges and those circumstances, I think there's something that God says no moment of your life, no moment of your journey through sickness and in recovery is going to be wasted ever because God's always about saying to us, plan, prepare, be prepared to be discipled and be prepared for the flowing of the blessing of God in your life to be there. So when I talk greatness and you hear the word, I'm not talking about, oh, you know, make so-and-so great again. No, what I'm talking about as it relates to your personal spiritual life, are you at the place that you can say, God, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. But when you begin to feel that way, here's what you also say and feel. But I want more. I want more. I hunger and thirst. Someone said greatness is not found in possessions, power, positions, or prestige. It is discovered in goodness, humility, service, and character. Just serving and character. The best way to be great is in the power of serving. In the American Revolution, a man in civilian clothes rode past a group of soldiers that 
they were repairing a small defensive barrier. And boy, the leader was shouting orders out to the one or two soldiers that he had to help quickly repair the little barrier that's there. And he was shouting. Well, the rider on the horse in civilian clothes asked the individual leading, why are you talking to them like that and why aren't you helping them instead of shouting at them? And the individual who was the leader said, sir, I am a corporal. Well, the stranger apologized, dismounted, got off his horse and went down and began to help the exhausted soldiers and it wasn't long that they got things back in order. And then the individual in the clothing of civilian turned to the corporal and he said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, you go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. George Washington. You see, in this thing and journeying toward heaven and building a church and building your family, there are no room for the big eyes and the little use. Amen. We're all on a journey, all called to endeavor to serve. Our text tonight finds Stephen, a masterful individual, a lay person who gave it all, his exhortation to the Sanhedrin, and he's beginning to speak to them. They were the religious leaders, and they have charged Stephen with blasphemy. He stands there and he's about to give a history lesson and talk about the story of Moses. Well, Moses was a great man as far as they knew, these religious leaders. And Stephen knew and believed that there was a unique parallel between Moses, between Jesus. And as a matter of fact, he believed there was a parallel between his own personal life. Knowing that he was only minutes from death before eventually he would be taken out because he stood bold and he declared, this is the truth. This is what I want to say to you. And buddy, he just reared back and he began to preach. And what did he preach about when he used Moses for a moment of an illustration? This is what he said. He said, the person, whoever you are, whatever stage you're in, he said, you were created to serve. You were created to serve no matter who you are. You do not become weary in well-doing. We know that we do, but we're told, do not become weary in well-doing. Acts 7, verse 20, at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for in his father's house. Great men like tall mountains retain their majesty and stability during the most severe storms. That's who we are, that great tree that brings life to those who need help. Our text says that Moses is no ordinary child. There are several ways that you could say that. Moses, man, he ain't no ordinary child, I'm telling you. You could say it that way. You could say it, Moses. I'll tell you what, he's no ordinary child. Big difference. That's what the Scripture states. You look at his journey, three months old, he was given up to die. Well, but God reached down and brought in the hand of an enemy and Pharaoh's daughter and rescued him. He was raised in Pharaoh's household. And what a privilege he had, educated in the most elite schools available. And God had a special plan 
for his life. You see, when, when we think that, boy, the enemy has just roadblocked me, the enemy has attacked me, the enemy, I'm given up to die, so to speak. Here's what God says. There are no dead ends in my journey and plan for your life. I always have a way around, a way up, a way under, one way or the other. I will take your hand and suspend your presence in this place and take you where I need you to be. Do you believe that? That means that wherever you're at, whatever your challenge is, right now it's not that accident that took place and God has not chosen to leave you nor forsake you. Why? He has a plan for your life to lead and guide you. And every person in the culture in which we live, we have a choice to become great or significant as it relates not in possession and power, but in the walk that we have for Jesus Christ. There are always two forces present here on planet earth. It's good and evil. Did you know that? You're either good or you're bad. Some of you are bad to the bone. Good or bad? How many of you are good all day long? Uh-oh. Well, how many of you are good some of the time all day long? There you go. We all have moments when somebody's going to get under our skin. Yeah, how many understand that? Somebody's going to say something to you that's going to aggravate the living daylights out of you. Or you're going to get a letter in the mail and you think, wow, I, would, I really wasn't counting on that. But here's what I know. The bottom line is forces of good and evil. If you and I, from the premise of our heart and the core of who we are, say, God, I've chosen to be a good person, and I've chosen to be a righteous person in the name of the Lord. Why? Because I know God has plans for me, and I know that God's not going to harm me. I know God is going to allow me, if I stick with him, to prosper. And I know that, hallelujah, no matter what today is, I have a hope in my future that will bring glory and honor to the God that I serve. That's who I am. Oh, but what about the devil? He's real. He's powerful. He's got real teeth. And he's just prowling around trying to find somebody that he can pick off. But you know what? Here's what I found out. Hallelujah. When you know you are in the hand of the man who formed the world and in the palm of the Redeemer where there's a nail print, the enemy can prowl all he wants to because God will lift you up above the fray. Hallelujah. And say, I have a plan for you. He ain't going to touch you and harm you. Come on now. I wish your neighbor would have come tonight. For y'all watching online, God bless you. We're glad to have you. Stick with us. You and I were born into sin. Our only hope, my only hope, is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So why don't, why don't I want to piddle around? That's probably a Greek word, piddle. Why do I want to piddle around in the lowercase, in the dredge? Why do I want to piddle down there being reactionary to life? Hallelujah. When I can flow with the mighty river of the Holy Ghost in my life. We know that Satan will attack us. That's what he's supposed to do. He is really good at his job. He really is. You can't fault him for that. He does what he does well. But he'll hit us with circumstance we can't count on. Well, I wish I knew. If you knew what was going to hit you next, it would scare you to death, friend. You wouldn't get a good night's sleep. Amen? 
Here's what I know. You just go to bed at night and know there'll be some kind of a circumstance that'll come your way. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his strong arm is with you. He'll attack you through evil influences, spiritually desert places, satanic interruptions, and pleasures of the extravagant. But here's what I know. The person that God has to deal with is not superstars. It's a person, get this now, an individual that is made up of flesh and blood wrapped in a skeletal uh, frame called skin, and he lives within us. And get this, God entered that skeletal frame in that skin, who you are, that flesh and blood. And he said, and I give unto you the Holy Ghost, my presence, my person, and my power, and my beauty resides in you. You are the cream of the crop, and my anointing is in you by the power of Jesus Christ. When you're covered by the blood of the Lord. Somebody get on your nerves from time to time? Yep. Greatness is determined by the person you know inside in relationship to Jesus Christ. It's not whether or not you got a plaque on the wall. It is you knowing, hey, all is well. Well, I wish I could say that, Pastor, because I... I struggle. Well, let me ask this question. Who in the world in this room doesn't struggle? You know when you won't struggle anymore? When you're dead? I'd rather live and struggle than not struggle and die. Amen? Always some struggle. Always some issue. Mother Teresa shared her philosophy of greatness. She simply believed we can do no great things, only small things with great love. Bring me one more child that is filled with age or leprosy. Bring another one. Let me love on them a little bit. Mark 10, 43 says, whoever wishes to become great among you, hey, he ought to be his, he ought to be his servant. Anything that you get in the way of favor and blessing, you ought to say this to yourself, I don't deserve that. Anything that you get that comes your way, that brings you a breath of fresh air, you need to say, ain't no way I earn that. That's the grace of God. You know what? If God kept score and revealed to you all the times that you blew it, messed up, sin in a day's time, and then put on this list all the things you did right, you're going to be wanting, friend. And you know what he does? He looks at it and said, oh, there's disparity there, but I just love them to death. I'm going to bless them one more time. I'm going to anoint them one more time. I'm going to give them victory one more time. God starts with a person, not a position, on the journey toward total greatness and fulfillment in the Lord. It's not about you, but it's about other people. Number two, we are to be discipled for greatness and disciplined for greatness. Acts 7, 27. But the man who was mistreating, we're still talking to Moses, the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? You ever heard little kids fight? Who made you the boss? You, heard, you ever heard that? I've heard it with little kids, but I've heard it in marriage too. Hello? Well, there's some of you say, who made you the boss? And daddy-o, don't you push your chest down and say, I'm the, I want you to know I'm the boss of this family. I am the head of this house. Do you understand? If you got a woman who puts up with that, fall on your knees. 
before she puts you on your knees. Amen? Stay with me now. You see, I want a supreme position in God. Someone asked me today, how do you know that? How do you discern? How do you, how do you come to that conclusion? Some of it you do by experience, but other times you do it because you just know in your spirit that something good is going to, is going to happen. It's the process of discipline. The United States Department of Labor came out with the following stats. 83% of Americans must be shown a project and then be supervised. 14% must be shown a project and then they can be left unsupervised. 3% can figure out what to do without instruction or supervision. Without instruction or any supervision, what it means is it indicates that disciples are made 97% of the time and we understand they are developed by an obedient heart to God. I want to be a disciple. Amen? We talk about grow track. Listen to me carefully, friend. Pentecostal people think that this, this discipleship and learning and growing is just not where God's at. But I'm here to tell you it's one thing to be a person filled with the Holy Ghost and to enjoy the feeling of what it means to be empowered by the Holy Ghost, but it's a whole nother level to understand it, to have a mind that's intellectually drawn. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, I want you to make disciples. I want you to take new converts. I had an individual that uh, texted me after the service this morning, individual that I've been witnessing to for years. I preach some of their families' funerals and always reach out to them. If I don't see them in a month or five weeks, I text them, where you at, dude? You know, I haven't seen you lately, and et cetera. So it's been about four or five weeks since I saw him in, in church. And he texted me this morning, so hey, preacher, preacher. They call you preacher, preacher. I just want you to know, I caught the service this morning. We were mobile. Okay. Had my brother and my wife in the car. He said, it was the quietest car ride I've ever had with my wife and my brother in the car. None of us said a word because you kept pulling out the guns and shooting every last one of us. And he said, it was just, un when you talked about don't use God's name in vain. I thought, oh, got me right between the eyes. How many understand? He said it was so very quiet. Do you know what? You know what would help? And I'm going to keep at it. It's a little bit of discipleship. Hello? So that you understand why we believe what we believe. And listen, we are never smart enough, never great enough, never experienced enough to be able to to do what we need to do when God takes us to the next level of responsibility. And it's the process. You see, the person that's between your ears, down in your heart, manifested in your dreams, God said, I'm going to build you up and make you better because I have plans for you that's beyond what you've experienced so far. So look at everything in your life and say, God, you're preparing me for something more than I am available for right now. 
always has a plan. But here it is. You and I must submit to that process. It takes discipline. At 40, here we go, 40. How many of you know 40 is not old? Amen? How many of you believe that 40 is pretty young? May I see your hand? How many of you believe that 80 is not old? Let me see your hand. And all those pushing 80 raised your hands. Do you believe that old age is between a person's ears? Anybody agree with me out there? How you doing? I'm good. How you making it? I'm making it right along. Look like to me you're humpback. Yeah. Look like to me you can't hardly walk. Yeah. Look like to me you can't figure out where you want to go. You lost your car. Yeah. Why don't you just give up? Give up. If I give up, I'll die. You see, here's what I know. You can look at Goliath. And if the Holy Ghost is, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, and you come to the conclusion that God is the one that had not anointed you, then Goliath, you got to go. Moses is 40. He sees the wrestling that's taking place. He goes in, rescues one of his own people, and he killed the Egyptian. And there would be some that would say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Moses killed an Egyptian. Look what the Lord has done. The next day, two of his brothers were fighting. You know the story. Moses went to step in. I mean, buddy, you take one down. There's another one. Hey, boys, Moses here. Cut it out. Well, who do you think you are? Who made you the boss? Well, I just saw you kind of getting in with one another. Huh, who made you judge over us? Oh, by the way, Moses, do you, do you really think that no one saw you yesterday take out that Egyptian? It dawned on Moses. He took off to Midian for 40 years. Now he's 80. So here's what we know, that Moses now has entered in. Big boy, great schools, Pharaoh's household. I'm going to deliver my people, not by might, by power, though, that Moses just entered at 40. The developmental process for what God knew he would need in Moses so he goes and he's there. How many years? 40. 40 years. What a hard head he had. 40 years. Why did it take 40 years? Because God needed the 40 years to create the moment when Moses and God's plan crossed. And at 40 years, 
The process dealt with three areas, and this is how he deals with you and me. Three areas, his mind, his heart, his spirit, or his will. One, if we're going to go through a process and believe, you know, listen, friend, God has knocked on some of your doors and has endeavored to get you to take a step of faith and get you to take a step of personal involvement and get you to take a step of faith so you're all in and not tiptoeing on the shadows of God's divine will for your life. God says, I'm ready for you to get in, but here's some of the challenges that we have. He said, I want you to start the process deals with your mind. Your mind must belong to God. Often our thought process deals with natural inclinations, carnality, and rational views. Philippians 4 8 said, don't do that brother sir he said whatever is true noble right pure holy lovely think on those things prepare your mind to do the will and the work of almighty god the bottom line is if we're going to enjoy our greatest potential we must have the mind of christ what doth the lord say to me number two what we must also have the heart of god the heart of god we listen to god as he speaks to samuel through Samuel to David. He says, he says, God speaks, hey Samuel, for Samuel 8 or 16, 7, the Lord doesn't look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks in the heart. Is your heart at the place right here and right now that God can say, you're ready to go to the next potential? It's, I'm tired of you sitting. I'm tired of you just walking around. I, I told you walk around Jericho seven times. You walked around 15 times and you haven't stopped yet. Listen to me. Don't point your finger at things in your life that may create consternation in you, but say, God, I want the mind of Christ. I want the heart of Almighty God. We understand that because when man's heart has been cleansed by the reviving of the Holy Spirit. So what's there in your heart that keeps God from having the pure, wholesome rule in your heart? Number three, Moses needed a will that would not be shaken by adversity. When he found out he was challenged at 40, he ran. Well, that was a natural inclination. It was the will of God, but he didn't understand it then. He just knew you need to get out of town. He needed the will that would not be shaken in adversity. So we find that Paul writes in Romans 8.35, who's going to separate me from the, flu of the smooth flow of the love of Christ, trouble and hardship, persecution, famine? Nakedness, danger, sword, divorce, death, sickness, can't, whatever. Is that what's going to shake you? Paul says, no, none of those things can shake you because if you are who you desire to be in your mind and in your heart, when you are confronted with the challenge, you will stand and be able to declare Win or lose, you're still on the throne of my life. Not my will, your will be done. Finally, the privilege of loving through obedience. The privilege of loving through obedience. This is the same Moses whom they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge. He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Moses, you see, 
has a privilege gifted to him by God. Well, what? Do you know what the gift is in you? Do you understand what's in you as a redeemed person? Do you understand that if you fail to use your giftedness for God's greatness, that there will be people that God has in your path that will never know the love of Jesus Christ because you won't be functioning at your potential. You see, you cannot skirt that responsibility and you can't do it now because I just said it through the preaching of the Word. Think about what you're missing in the family and the kingdom of God. Who is it in your life that God is saying, make way for them? He's privileged with opportunity. One of the greatest mistakes that robs people of their spiritual greatness is this, one of two things. We either get ahead of God or we fail to move when God commands. Get ahead or we fail to move. Wow. Unbelievable. Moses is in the wilderness. God appears in that burning bush. You know the story. He appears in the burning bush and he commissions Moses. And he says something that Moses really doesn't want to hear when he was 40. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to face the Pharaoh. I want you to deliver God's people who've suffered in this bondage. You know who they are, Moses. And I want you to take them to the promised land. Sent by God. What do you do? What do you do with a message like this? If the conviction of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about your own potential, is there something in you that's a gift from God that you're squandering right now? That you're not using it in a way? And oh, let me tell you, some of you know there was a time in your life at an altar in which you sensed the holy presence of God and God definitely spoke to your heart. But some circumstance, some challenge in your life robbed you of that, that, that purpose-driven force. And you've just backed away and covered yourself. Tonight, God's calling you out. You say, rise up. Rise up. Let me lead you. What did he do? Acts 7, 36. He led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. Moses had that privilege, being sent by God, facing Pharaoh with confidence, standing at the Red Sea and watching it open, seeing the destruction of the army of Pharaoh. And we find that Hebrews 11 talks about this man who ran at 40 who was raised in the wrong household under the wrong influence. But he had enough of his mother's love and had enough of God-given spirit that says by faith, Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. 
He did not enjoy the pleasure of sin, not even for a short time. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And by faith, Moses was a spiritual man. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do so, they drowned. We're not talking about a king with power. We're talking about a child that was not ordinary. We're talking about one man who ran, who spent 40 years, tough years, learning to have the mind of God learning to have the heart of God and learning how to be the chosen and functioning under God's ordained power. So tonight, there is a strong hook in some of you right now that you cannot get away from. You cannot squat behind someone else or a pew. God's calling you out and saying, hey, I want you now to start your journey toward where you know in your heart of hearts I desire for you to be. Holy God, the one who does not fail, the strong arm of the power of conviction, I thank you now, Holy Spirit, that you would move and breathe and minister to every person here. I pray you would redeem those that are fallen and lift them up, God. I I pray for those who are believers, but God, they're nowhere even near their potential. They're not even close to being able to do what you have called them to do. Some have been divinely touched. And that divine touch has not produced spiritual fruit in their life and the life of others. So God... Why did you give them divine favor? And yet they've not yet stood on their own and declared, God, I know what I need to do. I know what I'm called to do. Oh, God, once was so intimate with you and now too busy for that intimacy to even exist. Because favor got in the way. Opportunities gotten in the way. And Lord, you're the giver of life and the giver of good lift, good gifts. And yet, wow, we missed out. Stephen preached with boldness knowing that he may not get to the end of his message. And eventually... He preached and they began to stone him. And as they began to stone him and as he fell to the ground, he looked up and he saw the lowly Nazarene, hallelujah, looking over the banister of heaven down upon Stephen and giving him favor. Father, in this room is a dynamic power 
of the call of God and the call to arms and a call to attention. So however, how many you are, in fact, right now, right now, right now, God, whoever they might be, you are dealing in their heart and saying, hey, I want you, I'm calling you out to step forward. And I want you to say, here I am, Lord, more than willing to be able to do what you want me to do. I am signing up to be obedient to you in intimacy. And that's my heart of hearts. We're going to sing this song through one time. And I'm going to wait for those of you that you feel you are obedient to God. Friend, don't miss this moment of the Holy Ghost conviction of God. Don't miss it. Be available to the Lord even now, right now, as we sing, you come, and then we'll move forward in the altar in just a minute. Can you do that? Here we go. Waiting on you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, I live for you. Would you stand to your feet, please? Every breath that I take I'm going to wait on you a minute moment I'm away Come on now Would you have All you believers pray Just lift your hands and talk to God Lord, Holy Spirit you Your name Lord Oh I give you my soul Give you my soul Lord I live for you alone. Every breath that I take a step further how many of you that are couples in this room would bring yourself down and said we are dedicating our household to be a light in the midst of the darkness we're dedicating our family for the call of God and to be obedient as a family to whatever God encourages us to do and maybe you're a single parent here tonight I want you to know that's your family you and God make a majority. But as God's speaking to some of you, we're going to sing it one more time. I want you to let God lead you, and I want you to be obedient through the power of the Holy Spirit. You come right now, and then we're going to pray. Here we go. Lord, I give you my heart. God, I give you my Lord, I live for 
Amen. One more moment. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Lady, if God's speaking to you about coming into this altar, I'm encouraging you. Be obedient to God right now. Be obedient to God. Because the moment you're obedient will unlock a future that will bring glory to God and to your family. I'm going to wait one more moment. We'll sing it again. And this will be it, friend. Unless the Holy Spirit says otherwise. Here we go. One more time. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my soul. friend there are breakthrough miracles in this altar now here's what I'm going to do I want as many of you that can make your way down to this altar I want you to move from where you are if you can and fill up this altar right now we're going to end in a moment of prayer every one of you if you can make your way into this altar I want you to move toward the altar tonight will you do that here we go one more time every person fill up the empty spaces get in here behind the altars here come on in here folks just come on behind it here somebody lead the way that's right there is a path in the deep recesses you guys move on in you young people over here, get in behind here okay leave room out here for the old people you young people get back here it's good Come on in. I want you to raise your hand and I want to just worship him. Can we do that? Let's just talk to Jesus. Father God, we lift our mouths, our voices of worship to you tonight. We declare that you're the king. We declare divine anointing. We declare great things in the future. God, I bind every circumstance, every evil force of the enemy that would stand in the way of anyone, God, to bring harm to them, be rebuked in the name of Jesus. But God, whatever you had that's coming, that's going to draw these individuals closer to you, then we say, Lord, have at it. Then God, we declare, hallelujah, a divine souls are going to be saved because people in this room right now are going to find 
a different paradigm. There's going to be a different synergy between who they were and who they're going to be, God. There's going to be a divine unction tomorrow. Some of them are going to feel the strangeness of the anointing of the Holy Ghost on their life, and you're going to preach this message to them over again, Lord. By the power of your dynamic spirit, we trust you and we praise you and we thank you for you are almighty God. You are the God of the universe. The God of the universe. The God of the universe. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Amen. You're welcome in this place. This morning, I met a lady. She said, I've been wanting to shake your hand. Shook my hand. She and her husband. She said, you don't know me. She's serving here. But she said, I came to victory through divorce care. That's how I started. She said, um, I was Baptist my whole life. Raised in the Baptist church. Nothing wrong with that, buddy. Baptist people are smart people, amen? And some of my dearest friends, amen? Some of my dearest friends. I don't care what title you put on yourself, just want to know, are you born again, amen? She said, I was Baptist. She said, I thought I'd come in. I can't go to church here. That's a Pentecostal Assembly of God church. I can't go to church there. She said, I thought, wow. I can't do that. She said, my mama, I think I remember what, was the secretary to the pastor. She said, but I went to the bathroom. I found out something I didn't know. In the bathroom, you can hear the message in the women's restroom. <laughs> but had I known that, She said, but I was, I was sitting there. And God began to speak to me. And she said, then I went inside. And I sat down in there. Sure enough, do I have this about halfway correct? I went inside. God began to speak to me more and more and more. She said, I've been here ever since. I called my mama. Mama, guess where I'm going to church? <laughs> where, darling? Victory Church. Victory Church. Victory Church. Yeah. Mama. And I love it. Because I feel something there that is unbelievable. In her hurt and her pain of divorce, God used divorce care to put her in a position to be able to hear from God. Friend, we have people that's lost and we have people in our church that are great, great people, but they really need another dose of redemption. We don't want to be white as sepulchers, do we? 
We want to be the real deal. Amen. I want you to leave this room tonight and I want you to think about. I want you to go home or make a mental note or in your phone and make four or five notes. God, what I need to grow in that I'm not doing, what is it that I need? Tell me those three or four areas and put yourself out there and you'll see what God will do in and through you. So God, I pray and seal the blessing of the Holy Spirit as pastor over this group of people and over those who are looking online. I pray a divine unction of anointing of humility and desire will be greater than it has ever been. I pray, God, for some who are at a different season in their life, that means they have more time, that let them use some of that time to be able to be spirit-led and used in the work of God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that souls will be won this week out of our commitment in this altar right now. I pray that you'll do something strange in the lives of many individuals that are standing right here, right now, that will say, that's strange. But God, that sure must be you. I'm going to take it as you. So God, we stand together and we believe that it is not by might nor by power, but by your Holy Spirit. Anoint and give favor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Turn, shake hands. Give somebody a little hug. God bless you. Let's enjoy the week together. We're going to get down on some good worship. Here we go. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place.
give myself away so you you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me sing my life is not my own is not my Take my 
this room. God, we thank you for your presence that's been in this place tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's moved and touched hearts. And we thank you more importantly that we lead with your presence. God, just as Pastor challenged us, I pray tomorrow morning, God, that we would write some things down that you're speaking to us. Continue to, to press on our hearts, God, to maybe let go of some things and to grab a hold of something so we can lean into what you've spoken tonight. Bring us back here on Wednesday to worship you. We honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, can you put your hands together for what God did tonight? And we love you so much. We hope to see you back here Wednesday. Have an incredible night. God bless you.